Welcome to this special edition of the Hartford HealthCare Podcast. In this episode, Hartford HealthCare's Steve Coates talks with Eric Arlia. He's Senior Director of Systems Pharmacy for Hartford HealthCare, and they'll update us on the approval, delivery, and safety of the first COVID-19 vaccine considered for U.S. distribution. Here's Steve Coates. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, the last nine months have certainly been challenging for everyone, especially those on the front lines in healthcare. And for those working and coordinating in our pharmacies right now across our health system, across our nation and around the world, you're experiencing and executing on something that also hasn't happened in our lifetimes and probably won't happen again. We await for an emergency vaccine. So Eric, what's next? So the initial doses would be prioritized for those most at risk and for our colleagues here at Hartford HealthCare, that would mean those who work directly in patient care or those who are at high risk of exposure would have access first to the vaccine, correct? Yes. So the state of Connecticut has a vaccine advisory council that Governor Lamont put together, uh, and they have recommended that healthcare workers and nursing home residents and employees of nursing homes be in what we're calling phase 1A of vaccination. So the state has taken our state allocation and they have divided it up amongst the parties that will be responsible to vaccinate those groups. So Hartford HealthCare has received an allocation for our employees and other healthcare providers uh, in what they're calling our catchment area. And over the next seven to eight weeks, we would expect to uh, vaccinate as many of those people as possible. So now with governmental guidance from both the state and the feds, how does Hartford HealthCare come to the decision as to who gets the vaccine first? So uh, our, our medical staff leadership uh, and other leaders will be looking at uh, creating priority groups uh, because you know our allocation will be a little bit lower at first and then it'll increase. And the reason for that is the governor really wants to make sure that residents of nursing homes, our most vulnerable patient population, uh, has enough vaccine uh, to be vaccinated early on. So we'll, we'll come up with a, a schedule of prioritization, but really all, all of our healthcare workers inside a hospital should be able to get vaccinated within uh, the first few weeks. If somebody finds out, presumably through an email or from their manager, that they do qualify to get the vaccine early, what would be the next step? Yeah, so for our staff, it'll be very much like flu clinics. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have clinics that are in uh, all of our acute care facilities, um, it may be a little different in that we, we are in all likelihood going to be asking people to make appointments, uh, which will help keep lines down and it'll help us prioritize, um, you know, who gets the vaccine first. Uh, but essentially, once you're there and you're checked in, it'll be very much like a flu clinic. Of course, the other big difference with the, with the COVID vaccine, at least with the first two that are coming through Pfizer and Moderna, is that they're two-dose series. So, Eric, you get the first uh, shot, the first uh, part of the vaccination. How are you then prompted to get the second shot? So you'll make your appointment for the first shot. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're still looking at two different possible systems to uh, track and monitor in. But really, essentially, in whichever one we decide, uh, there'll be reminders to make an appointment for your second shot at the appropriate time. Uh, there'll also be reminders, uh, checking in with people to see if they've had any adverse effects uh, and ability for people to uh, get those recorded. It's really important for us to track 
those types of things as a new vaccine. There's a national system uh, that any adverse events should be reported in. Uh, so we want to make sure that we capture those both in our own internal system and uh, reporting back out uh, so that we can learn more uh, about the vaccine. Typical shot, just go in, roll up your sleeve like a flu shot. It's Yep, it's a, an injection in your arm, very, very similar to the flu vaccine. Uh, I don't know that you would really notice much of a difference at the time that you get the vaccine. And despite how quickly the process moved along, you're confident with the safety of the vaccine? Yeah, I think what I would want to say about that is, um, you know, the, the, the process uh, for evaluating a new product or a new vaccine, you know, from what I've reviewed, I feel like it's very safe. Uh, it does seem like it was quick, but I guess there's a couple of things to keep in mind with that. Uh, the actual development of this vaccine, uh, it's a new type of vaccine. It's called a messenger RNA vaccine. Uh, and it can be manufactured much more quickly than traditional vaccines. Um, so there's, there, was a, there was an increased ability to make the vaccine quicker. In fact, we were able to, they were able to design this vaccine before we even had active in, infection in the United States because the genetic sequence was shared from China. And that's really all that was needed for manufacturing companies to design it. Um, so that part of it was much faster than normal. Uh, you know, it's almost like we took all of the slower steps out of the process because of the urgency uh, and sped them up as much as possible. But, you know, normally vaccines that are being tested, once once they get to the point of being uh, given to people in phase three trials, there's a requirement that they follow patients for at least two months. And that was all and that was all followed with this process. So I think, you know, some of the other steps were accelerated by a the ability to make the vaccine quicker using new technology, and B, the resources put into it for many of the other steps that might have taken longer. The actual monitoring of patients once they started receiving vaccines was what is uh, always uh, always been followed. And all the manufacturers that are developing vaccines have signed a pledge to you know, follow normal science to do this. And uh, so far from what we've seen, I feel like uh, that's all holding true. And 95% effective for the Pfizer vaccine, which is pretty good. It's amazing. Uh, I don't think, I don't know that anyone knew that we would get results that, that, that great. These are the first two messenger RNA vaccines to be developed. Uh, sort of to put it in context, uh, flu vaccines change from year to year because of the way that it mutates. And so each year you get a different percentage of effectiveness with the flu vaccine, and it can go up or down. Uh, it's usually between 30 and 60%. A 60% effective flu vaccine is considered a very effective flu vaccine. So a 95% effective vaccine is sort of off the charts. I mean, there's a couple of vaccines. Uh, I think the measles vaccine is up in that range. How long it lasts for, we're only going to know that by continuing to follow the patients in the study long term. So we don't, we're going to go into this not knowing if it's a six month or a 12 month or a lifetime vaccination. Well, only time will tell. If you're someone who's not in one of the high risk groups, when can you expect the vaccination would be available to you? So that's what, what's commonly known as phase two of the, of the process. I think there'll be some prioritization amongst the general population. They'll, I expect that there'll be a, um, a preference to people with um, pre-existing conditions that are known to cause uh, more severe COVID illnesses first. And then probably, you know, and this is my estimation and from what I've read and heard, you know, I think by late spring, you'll probably see it be generally available to the public. 
And when it becomes available on a larger scale, how will people have access to it? I think there's going to be a few different ways. Um, you know, the general public can access the vaccine once we get to that point. Uh, we, we would like to see, and I believe that our medical offices, Hartford Healthcare Medical Group and other practices, uh, at some point will be able to have the vaccine and will be able to vaccinate their patients uh, through, normal, through the normal process of seeing them. Uh, I, I believe pharmacies, uh, chain pharmacies, independent pharmacies, our pharmacies in Hartford Healthcare uh, at St. Vincent's and at Hartford Hospital uh, will be able to provide the vaccine uh, similar to what they do with flu vaccines. I think there'll, be, um, there'll definitely be an effort to make sure underserved populations have access to the vaccine. Uh, I know there's been some preliminary conversations about uh, pop-up clinics uh, where we may go into underserved areas. Uh, and offer the vaccine to them as well. Uh, I think it'll really be a blanket approach. There'll be a lot of different ways uh, to try to connect the public. You know, we certainly, once once there's enough vaccine available for the general public, you know, we're going to want to do everything we can uh, to make it easier and convenient for everyone who would like to get vaccinated to do so. Let's talk a little bit about logistics. This is a massive undertaking that really began well before the pandemic really took hold here in the United States. Take us through a little bit of the planning for this. Yes. So I I think a lot of people have been following this story in the media for a long time. I think uh, everyone probably already knows that these are frozen vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine. The Pfizer vaccine is what we call ultra frozen. So that's negative 80 degrees Celsius or negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit that it's stored at. So, you know, as as our team watched the vaccine progress throughout the summer, it became clear to us that the Pfizer vaccine looked very promising and that it might be one of the first ones approved. Uh, So to prepare for that, um, our leadership invested in uh, additional ultra freezer capacity. So we we have a large ultra cold freezer here at Hartford Hospital uh, that can store as many as 280,000 doses of the vaccine. Uh, We also have an ultra cold freezer at St. Vincent's Medical Center, uh, which can help service the Fairfield region. Uh, And even though we don't have an ultra-cold freezer in every hospital in HHC, we have the ability to move a vaccine uh, when it's ready to be used within five days uh, and defrost it centrally and transport it to all the different clinics that we uh, plan at our sites. So I think that's why the state has driven a lot of Pfizer vaccine to the hospitals, especially the ones that they know that either the hospital or the health system has ultra-cold storage capacity. So the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are very similar in how they're stored and uh, also how they're administered. So those two vaccines are the two um, messenger RNA vaccines. So they have similar mechanism of action. Um, Because of that, you know, that new type of vaccine, they're the frozen vaccines. Uh, They're both a two-dose series vaccine. Some of the vaccines that are in the development pipeline are one-dose vaccines. Uh, So there may be, you know, as time goes by, there may be the opportunity uh, for single-dose vaccinations. Uh, We'll have to wait and see, you know, if they are proven safe and effective uh, and what their data is in comparison to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. The Moderna vaccine is a little easier to manage because it's a regular freezer. So, you know, every hospital in our system has uh, regular medication freezers. So uh, we could store Moderna vaccine on site at every uh, hospital. And then the other difference is uh, how long they're good in the refrigerator. The Pfizer vaccine has a shorter uh, stability in the fridge. It's only five days, whereas the Moderna vaccine is 30. 
you know, and these things can all be mitigated by our team planning properly. But as time goes by, a more stable vaccine is just easier uh, to manage in the long run. On a personal note, you've been doing this a long time, you know, been through Ebola scares and various drills on uh, the possibility of, uh, of an infectious disease, a pandemic. In your wildest dreams, could you ever have imagined that you would be helping to coordinate uh, a massive distribution of an emergency vaccine? I, I think like everyone else, I never imagined we would have a pandemic of this magnitude in my lifetime. Um, it's, you know, if you look back on history, you know, it is something that does occur periodically. Uh, so I guess we shouldn't be surprised. I think uh, while it feels like a really long time for us, uh, the fact that uh, science has come up with, uh, you know, what we believe to be very effective vaccines in less than a year is remarkable. Uh, and now, you know, the logistics of, of planning out how to get that vaccine, you know, to our most vulnerable patients and our most vulnerable caregivers first, and then to continue to build on that um, uh, uh, to other groups and to the general public is it's exciting. It's, it's an honor, honestly, uh, to be a part of it. You know, I think in the pharmacy team, I'll speak for us, we're, we're all excited to, to do our part and uh, really help us try to get uh, over the pandemic. And I, I hope that a lot of people will give, you know, very serious consideration to, to taking the vaccine. Will you be getting the vaccine? I will. I, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on getting it as early as it's made available to me. Eric Arlia, Senior Director of System Pharmacy for Hartford HealthCare. Thanks so much for joining us today. We wish you the best in the coming days, weeks, months, as your team and others from across Hartford HealthCare undertake this very important endeavor for our patients and our community. Thank you. I appreciate the honor. Thank you, Steve and Eric. To learn more about Hartford HealthCare and the COVID-19 vaccine, click on the link in this episode's description or go to hartfordhealthcare.org vaccine. For Hartford HealthCare, I'm Anne Ronde-Pierre. Thanks for listening.